Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Welcome into the Patrick Johnson Show. I'm your host, Ben B. Baby Byram. Joined as always by my man, Philip the Ref Pilkington. How you doing, my friend? I'm pretty good. It's Friday. Yeah. Closing out the week here. Also, D-Rock on the ones and twos, the return. Hi, buddy. How How's you doing? it going? Yeah. You ready for the weekend, my friend? I am more than ready. Yeah. Let's get to it. Plenty of headlines throughout the day today. Let's start with the big one out of the NFL. Uh, three-time Pro Bowl tight end, Super Bowl champion Zach Ertz traded to the Cardinals for a cornerback, a no-name cornerback, and a third-round pick. Initial reactions to this, Philip? I got my thoughts, but let's let's hear yours first. Well, they're freeing up some cap space when clearly Dallas Goddard is their future tight end, even though he's injured right now. And uh, I mean, getting a corner, even though he's a no-name, but an actual player and a decently early pick. I mean, a second. A, Day two pick for a guy as old as Ernst, I, I think that's a good pick or a good trade on the uh, Eagles side. Okay, so I apologize. It was a fifth-round pick either oh, way. Oh, never mind. Okay. Uh, either way. It's, good. They're, they're getting rid of cap space, but I, if you're the Cardinals, I don't really see the point here. I get it. Tight end was a need on their offense, but problem is an offense right now when it comes to this Cardinals team. If you can point out anything on their offense, offensive line and running back maybe, but uh, that defense, especially when it comes to the secondary – Real issue. It is. There's definitely an issue, but uh, hey, unlike anybody else, they're five and zero. So whatever's going on out in Arizona is clearly working. They it's not going to last, Philip. They got a tough one this week in Cleveland, though. It's not lasting. They're not Super Bowl contenders. I'm telling you, they're pretenders. They're pretenders. Defense wins championships, Philip. Defense wins championships. Never forget that. Anyways, we had our. Uh, Picks yesterday when it came to Thursday night football did not bode well whatsoever. I had it as a lock for Navy to beat Memphis. Navy ends up losing 35-17. to Memphis beat them at their own game, and that came strictly on the run. Their run beat them straight up, beat Navy straight up. And Memphis had three running backs that rushed for over 50 yards. Each of them had a touchdown. That was definitely the key to the game right there. Who knew Navy couldn't stop the run? You would think they play the run in practice every single day, especially that triple option offense, and somehow they still haven't quite figured out how to stop the run. Well, that's a different kind of run. When you have a team lining up in a jumbo set with wings like double wing like they do, you have a lot of big guys on the field to stop the run, but when you're playing a Memphis offense that's going to go out there with three wide receivers, uh, you got a lot less guys in the box. So it's a definitely a different style of run stopping when you play a team like Memphis. Fair enough. All I'm saying is you could stop a complicated run offense like the triple option. Hopefully you can stop a simplified Russian offense in Memphis, but I don't know what's going on with this Navy team. You're looking at it now. The good news about it, Hey, that's looking like a very winnable game when it comes to the Pirates. I already thought it was a winnable game, um, but the only thing that was kind of like gave me a little bit of doubts when it came to that game and that matchup was the fact that ECU notoriously, notoriously struggles against ECU's uh, or excuse me against Navy's offense and the triple option. But as we know, as we all know, when it comes to Pirate football, this is a completely different defense. 
It is, but uh, you can't let them have 20 play drives. Did you see that? First drive of the game for Navy yesterday. 20 plays. I didn't know you could mathematically run 20 plays well, without I, scoring. Well, I told you, I mean, Navy, the key to the win that game was to dominate time of possession. Memphis is, what, 126 in the country when it comes to time of possession, and that was the key to the game for them. They tried it. Um, I guess they had success early on, just didn't, wasn't really able to sustain it. Well, we'll move on into uh, more bad picks from Ben. And oh, yeah. uh, Ben guaranteed the Eagles to win by two tutties. It was kind of a I did back, not guarantee by, the Eagles sorry, to win. Sorry, the, the uh, Bucks, whatever team Brady plays for. <laughs> uh, I'm not used to the Bucks being good, okay? Um, the Bucks to win by two tutties. It was a backdoor covered by the Eagles, but uh, still, man, what, what happened? Look, it's not a betting state. Look, you, should, you shouldn't take my advice anyways. I said it was for entertainment purposes only. And when do we do become a betting state? Best believe I ain't gambling because, I mean, the way it's looking right now, that is not a safe bet right there. I mean, any there's no safe bets when it comes to B-Baby here. I don't know what's going on. Well, I just hope you're a bad predicting continues considering you said the Astros are winning 20-5 to tonight against my Red Sox. So uh, It's happening, Philip. We'll, we'll see about just that. Just for your sake. For your sake, Boston will lose. Just Well, no, for my sake, I want to see it. I want to see you. And complete misery and complete pain, Philip. This like guy you caused yesterday, me from day to day. This guy yesterday, now I think it was the day before, said I was his best friend on air. <laughs> you go back and listen to it on our podcast. I changed on my mind. 943thegame.com, and now he's wanting me in misery, man. You point out my faults. Tough. You point out when I'm wrong. That's what friends are for. That is true. Okay, I'm sorry, Philip. I take back it back. Back me up on this, Derek, right? That's what friends are for? I'm staying out of this one. Ah, oh, come on! Derek's the He's worst. He's bleeding the fifth. Derek's the worst. You know what? You're not my friend either, D-Rock. D- wow, that's I'm not making buddy. any friends here on this show. See, now we got to unite together in guys that Ben hates for no reason. And then moving on, another kind of bad pick or a kind of bad prediction we had was the fact that the Hurricanes were going to struggle. And it did not look like that last night. They won 6-3 to against the New York Islanders. Yes, it's the opening game, but I will say this. Defense... There was only kind of one guy that really, really stood out on defense. Yes, other guys kind of filled in. It looked solid, but the true standout was the controversial character, a guy many people were protesting the Hurricanes for when they got him, and that's Tony D'Angelo. Looked like an absolute stud last night. Set up two beautiful passes for scores to Tavo Teravainen and Andre Shmeshnikov. Just looked like the real deal. Played very physical which is not what we're used to when it comes to Hurricanes defensemen. And he had one of the best hits you will ever see. He just nails an Islanders player who was getting ready to score on the Canes. He's just getting ready to take it to the house. D'Angelo just completely sits him to the ground, smacks him right in the mouth and lets him know, I'm taking this puck, turnover, we're going to go down there and score. Hey, man, you love to see it. We talked about it yesterday. Of course, hey, we did not predict that the Hurricanes would struggle. We said they'd struggle defensively. You you don't want to see a team giving up three goals. It wasn't bad. We knew this offense could score. They did. Shvetch had two. I think four other guys had one. We knew Uh, offense wasn't going to be the issue. Yeah, but you love to see the physicality out of a defender. And I think you had said that the guy that he hit had just hit Ajo fairly recently, maybe the shift before. So uh, It's nice to have a guy yeah, like that. Sticking up for your all-star, man. You need a goon, and it looks like the Canes have got one. Uh, All the good teams have defenseman. Them. Yeah, they do. Hey, you love to see it. Maybe just Tony D'Angelo alone. I know it's controversial. Can make us cup contenders now. Dougie Hamilton, who who needs them? After one game, I'm psyched. <laughs> we'll see how long this lasts. 81 to go, baby. 81 to go, and then you got to win 16 after that. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the Islanders, I mean, it's good to see right away that the Islanders, who are a playoff team, and if I'm not mistaken, got pretty deep into the playoffs last year, that them to come out from the gate and have just a, such a great fan environment last night. People are showing up. Who says Raleigh isn't a hockey town? It's just the team playing physical. Uh, the offense did not let off let up one beat. They still kind of picked up where they left off from last season. The offensive firepower is still there. It, got, it looks like it got even better. I mean, you just love to see it. Uh, moving on. Got plenty of high school football tonight. I'm just going to run down the quick matchups that we have going on tonight. JP2, 5-1, taking on South Creek, who's 0-6. That is a home game starting at 7 o'clock. You can see that right here in Greenville. Moving on, Tarboro is hosting Riverside Martin. Tarboro 7-1. Riverside Martin's only played four games. There are three and one. That might be a tough matchup for Tarboro. Who knows? Moving on, Kinston. Six and two hosting Wallace Rose Hill. Six and one. That should be a good team. That should be a good game between two really good football teams. Then we got Jacksonville five and one hosting a struggling D.H. Conley team who's two and five. That's taking place in Jacksonville tonight. South Central one and four. Another team that's kind of struggling this year, coming off a just, just having a down year in general, hosting a really tough Havelock team who was four and two over in Winterville. Uh, I. I who knows? Maybe the South Central can get something going, but not looking too good. Havelock, notoriously and historically, a good football team. Then, of course, we got the Rose Rampants right here on 94.3 The Game. Stay tuned, 7 o'clock. Croft Massey, the legendary RV, will bring that your way as they host the Newburn Bears, who are 7-1. and That takes place in Greenville. You can go see that game tonight. You ain't got no other plans tonight. What are you going to do? Go to the movies. Who needs that? Go watch some local high school football. Or if you can't make it, just listen to it right here on 94.3 The Game. Also, that's not the only matchups going down here around the county. Southwest Edgecombe, 3-4, and four, hosting 2-4, and 8-in Grifton. And then we also have North Pitt, who's surprisingly 6-1, and one, hosting the Washington Panpack, who is 5-2. That could be a sleeper game. I like that game. That could be a really big game, but the big one tonight is right here on 94-3, the game. Not just saying that because we're having it, but right now, Rose, 5-3 and three overall, but they've won five in a row, and they're 4-0 and oh in conference, taking on Newburn, who is 3-1 uh, and one in conference, so this is for first place. Yeah. And I know, you know, right now, it sounds like Rose is in a good spot at 4-0 and oh in league play, but if they would drop their last two games... And they do have a seven and one Newburn tonight. They're off next week, and they have a four and two Havelock team. They could be at five and five, and then you wonder, does that knock them out of the playoffs? I don't you would know. think it. What would most likely five and five and four and two in the in league play would most likely have them third in the conference. It's tough to get knocked out at third at third in the conference. Usually, they will put you in nine times out of ten. But as we know, there's no true formula for this thing. It's kind of like a committee, kind of like the uh, NCAA exactly. tournament. But uh, you know, Jacksonville is two and one as well, so they could easily pass Rose in league play. Rose did beat Jacksonville already earlier this year, but uh, they were coming off a tough one. That was on a short week, um, and Jacksonville had just played Newburn, I think it was, and beat them twenty nine twenty eight. And Rose was coming off a comfortable win. That was a game that played on a Tuesday, so Rose is by no, you know. No guarantee that they're safe right now, but a, a especially big against one that tonight, Newburn team, especially against that Newburn team, and you know we all know Havelock is always a state contender. So they got t two tough ones coming up. I think they can do it. I like the way they've been playing. This is a revamped team after starting out zero and three. 
but we'll see how it goes. I love it. We're getting meaningful games at the end of the year, games with playoff implications. You love to see it, and that all comes your way at 7 o'clock right here on 94.3 The Game. All right, when we come back on the other side of this quick timeout, Pirate Report. Yes, Pirate football is not going on this weekend, but there's plenty of other Pirate athletics going on around campus and even off campus. We'll bring that your way next here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Can't blame him. That was cool. I like that. It's got the monkey. <laughs> That's D Rock's jam right there. That's his theme song. If he was a pro wrestler, he's walking out to that. Call him the Jungle Boy or something. Anyways, let's get into today's pirate report. Brought to you by Acre Station, local grown pork, beef, fresh and smoked sausage. Acre Station Meat Farm, Highway 32 in Pine Town. Also by Doug Henry Chevrolet Buick and GMC in Farmville and Doug Henry Ford and Aiden. You paid more if you didn't get yours at Doug Henry. All right, so as been explained, no Pirate football this week, much-needed bye week, and AAC media days for basketball are done, but there's still plenty of ECU sports. So currently, right now, cross-country is in action at their one home meet of the year. Um, men's golf this weekend is at State, so that is a very short drive over to Raleigh. Baseball, they have three scrimmages. They're currently under a scrimmage underway in a scrimmage right now these are all inter-squad scrimmages but they started at 350 today if can't make it out there to see the end of this one they start at 1235 tomorrow and 1225 on sunday all these scrimmages are open to the public and free and, and free they are free, free hey there you go yeah. you get a first look at the 2022 ecu pirates baseball team and um women's soccer does play at tulsa at one on sunday there's no way to stream that game unfortunately however there's a week left in the season. They will be at home on Thursday against UCF and next Sunday against Memphis for Senior Day. And right now, women's soccer, they're fifth in the conference, but if they can win out, they can really climb up these standings and make a push going into the conference tournament and hopefully find their way in the NCAA tournament. So big weekend in Pirate sports, even though there's no football. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of going on, always a lot going on around ECU athletics. And uh, just go back to the soccer game just real quickly. Final game of the season against Memphis, who's 7-1. and one. So the Pirates are really going to have to be on a roll if they want to make something happen in this conference championship and kind of get themselves out of this hole they're in right now. So And Memphis is our conference leader right now. They're 4-0 and oh in league play. So it's definitely the team you're hunting down. Got to hunt down those Tigers. So make sure you go to that game. What is it, next Thursday? That one is next Sunday. Next, next Thursday. Sunday. Next Thursday at 7 o'clock, they play UCF. And then next Sunday, I'm not sure the time. It's either 12 or 1, somewhere in that range. Uh, senior day against Memphis. Why not? Give it a shot. Check it out. See what it's all about. You're not a big soccer fan? Maybe that'll introduce you to soccer and you become a lifelong fan. Who knows? Give something else a try this weekend. Be be a better person. Expand your horizons. Give it a shot. Why not? Maybe I'll be there. Maybe you'll see me in Pilk. Why not? There we go. Anyways, that's going to do it for today's Pirate Report. Brought to you by Acre Station Meat Farm, local grown pork, beef, fresh, and smoked sausage. Acre Station Meat Farm, Highway 32 in Pine Town. Also by Doug Henry Chevrolet Buick and GMC in Farmville. And Doug Henry Ford and Aiden, you paid more if you didn't get yours at Doug Henry. I got my Doug Henry. You going to do it, Phil? I got my Doug Henry. There we go. We can all, D-Rock, you do it. 
I got my Doug Henry. That was terrible. That was bad. D Rock, you're losing. I, I didn't do that. very good either, so I'm not gonna. I'm gonna admit I I did pretty bad. Come on, so. D Rock. It was a bold faced lie. I felt bad. <laughs> there we go. All right. On the other side, at least side, he's honest. On the other side of this quick timeout, playoff baseball underway. Plenty of going on tonight. Me and Pilk are gonna preview that for you. What are the pitching matchups? Who's playing? Who do we got to win? All that and much more coming up on the other side of this quick timeout here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Back here on the Patrick Johnson Show, Philip Pilkington along with Ben Byram and D Rock, Derek Alcorn producing Let's in get it. the uh, studio. And ALCS starts tonight, NLCS starts tomorrow. The Dodgers punched their ticket last night with some late game heroics from Cody Bellinger as they beat their arch rival, the San Francisco Giants. They take on the Braves tomorrow. Which, by the way, you picked the Giants, Philip, so I don't want to hear it. I know I Talk picked about the Giants. my bad picks. Okay. Hey, man, at least my team that I picked looks like they were in it. Of course, I also picked the Rays, but my Sox got it done. So we will see what happens. But game one of the ALCS tonight, Valdez is on the mound for the Strohs and Sale on the mound for the Red Sox. We'll start with analyzing the ALCS. And uh, the Strohs, it is official. Lance McCullers is out. He injured his forearm, and I believe it was game four. Don't quote me on that, which game. It was a right forearm injury, and uh, he's out. Obviously, Verlander's been out for majority of the year. So my guess, obviously we know Valdez and Garcia will be starters. Looks like the other guys could be Granky and Odorizzi, or they've already pretty much said Odorizzi's going to be a starter. They could be going to a bullpen day, which – Based off their bullpen ERA, which is just north of four, a bullpen day does not sound good for this Astros rotation. Absolutely not. And that McCullers kind of injury is big. He was kind of their ace throughout the year. Pitching rotation, starting rotation, not like it once was when they were winning championships, but there's not a lot of starting rotations that are like that. But, hey, I think maybe the Red Sox may possibly have an advantage when it comes to the starting rotation there in the pitchers. They do. The toughest thing for Boston is going to be who's that four-star. So we know we got Chris Sale, Nathan Evaldi, and Eduardo Rodriguez. The big question is who's that fourth guy going to be. Garrett Richards is unavailable. Martin Perez has not been a starter for a while. You got Nick Pavetta who looks good, but, man, they really like him out of the pen. He had a great appearance in uh, Game 3 on Sunday. And then Tanner Houck has done a great job starting. The only problem is... They haven't let him go more than five innings. They haven't let him go more than 90 pitches. And he's also another guy who's been a stud out of the bullpen. You want both those guys to be your long relievers, and you just really don't know who that four starter is going to be for Boston. Uh, And you have to have four in the uh, CS because there's a span where you play five times in six days. It's unlike the DS where you can kind of get away with three starters. Especially with this lineup you're playing here with the uh, Astros. Still got Alex Bregman, still got Jose Altuve. Carlos Correa, I mean, you got names all across the board here. Definitely going to be tough when it comes to uh, when it comes to Boston Red Sox pitchers. They're going to have their hands full. Still got their studs for when they were winning championships. But Boston, they have some guys in their lineup too who can they could go yard any any time. Go yard all all across this kind of lineup here. This this hitting hitting lineup here. Any one of these guys, any one of these guys can hit a home run. So it should be a. Uh, 
I, I expect fireworks in this series. A lot of stars, a lot of star power. I like it. I like this series. Yeah, and Sox will not have Matt Barnes on that roster. He was originally left off the ALDS roster. He is their closer. He's not been pitching well down the stretch. They brought him on when Garrett Richards got injured, so that makes Richards unavailable for this series. But uh, Barnes is in. Um, they said that Sawamora, who was left off the last roster, is in, and Darwin Hernandez as well. So some pitching changes for Boston. But Boston's bullpen or bullpen ERA is also three point nine nine, which is like barely better than the Strohs. These two bullpens are a little shaky, and like you mentioned, man, these teams have got some firepower hitters. So I would say in this series. No lead is safe. You've got to get quality starts out of your starters, and you really hope when you turn it over to the bullpen that you kind of do have somewhat of a safe lead. The difference right now, though, it kind of looks like is that Boston will go to guys like Pavetta and Hauk who haven't been part of that bullpen ERA. They've kind of been starters. And those guys may be bullpen guys here down the stretch, as well as Alex Cora proved in 2018. Um, usually your starter throws, I believe it's three days after his final, after his last start, he will throw usually that morning, that a- early that afternoon, kind of a bullpen session. Well, Cora proved in 2018 that those guys, when they're throwing on their throw day, that might be live action. So you might see Chris Sale, for instance, start game one and then in game four or something, pitch an inning. On only two days or three days rest, that would be. So you never know what's going to happen with this Boston team. I I think Houston's definitely got the better team. But, man, if if Alex Cora can outmanage Dusty Baker, you can't count the Sox out of this thing. I don't know. I kind of like the Red Sox in this series. All the experts are kind of picking Houston. I'm looking at an article from CBS Sports right now, and they unanimously pick Houston, and they think they're going to reach the World Series. I disagree. I Looking at the roster right now, I think just kind of looking at the starting lineup here and the starting pitchers, I think Boston's a little bit more well-rounded. I think so, too. The biggest thing is going to be Boston hitting the ball. We know they can hit the ball. We know they can become effective. But when their hitting gets cold, it gets cold. Yep. And, you know, there are a few guys in this lineup that it's your fingers crossed they can get a knock. Luckily, some of those guys, Christian Vasquez, for example, seems like when the team goes up and scores 17 runs, he goes over. But he's got clutch hits, and he came up with a huge clutch walk-off hit in Game 3 and a huge clutch at-bat in Game 4 as well. So he's got ice in his veins. Um, so we'll see what him and some of these other Bo Sox hitters can do. Obviously, they still got Bogey, still got Devers, J.D. Martinez, who uh, his ankle looks okay. He injured his ankle in the last game in the regular season, did not play in the wild card game, played a significant amount in the ALDS. But we will see. Um, like I said, man, it's, it's, it's tough to pick your own team because, you know, they've let you down. So you're, picking the, the you're picking the Red Sox, huh? I, I don't know, man. It's – you pick I, I one. just don't trust this bullpen at all. I really do not. But how do you look at a bullpen of the Strohs that either is 4.07 ERA or 4.06, it's something like that, and trust their bullpen either? You know, you don't know. Both these pitchers, Valdez and Sale, that are going tonight, are coming off bad outings. Sale threw one inning in his start in the DS and let up five runs. Valdez went a little farther. He went four and a third, but he let up four runs. He let up seven hits. So, I don't know. It's, it's going to be tough. Uh, I... I got the Sox tonight. I think the Sox take game one. I think Sale is a bounce back game, but overall in the series, I think I think I'm gonna go with the Strohs. When I when it goes to picking games when it, in baseball, for me personally, I always look at the starting pitcher who's got the starting better starting pitcher. I think Sale is. So I'm going to Red Sox. I love it. Who you got for the series? 
I'm also going to go Red Sox. I just I think they're a little bit more well well rounded. Excuse me there. Yeah, I think they're more well rounded. I, I just like the Sox. I sure hope yeah. you're right. I would love for you to be right. <laughs> uh, blow the roof off Fenway Park. I thought we did it pretty good Wednesday night on that walk off. Now, Philip, let's move on to the NLCS. We know we got a lot of Braves fans around here. They're taking on a tough Dodgers team. Uh, who do you got in this series? Who's starting? What's the lineups looking like? What are the keys to the game? What's going on in the series? So the big thing for this one is this doesn't start till tomorrow. So the 26-man roster has not officially been released Obviously, we can speculate a lot of things. But the big thing with the Dodgers, we know that Kershaw's out. We know that Duffy's out. So you got Walker Bueller, the vet, the future Hall of Famer, Mad Max Scherzer, and uh, Urias, or Urias, can't remember exactly how to say his name. Those are for sure three of your starters. Of course, they might be going with some openers. They did go with an opener last night, but those are theoretically your guys that are going to be putting there to go five to six innings. They may not actually start the game and then you, you it's unsure who that fourth guy is going to be is it going to be david price is it going to be uh goslin or will they kind of throw a bullpen day that is unclear um however this bullpen they got the second best bullpen era in the bigs so it's a bullpen that you definitely trust you got to definitely give the bullpen edge to the uh the dodgers but i think you do give the starters uh to the braves because between freed anderson smiley charlie morton who was on the rays during their run last year i mean these uh these brave starters look good. Their bullpen a little shaky, but everybody talks about too the great bats of the Dodgers. Man, this Braves team they can put up a lot of runs too. I think they were actually only like two points behind the Dodgers in batting average this season. Both teams were like top five in runs scored. They do have Ronald Acuna Jr. out, which really stinks. But uh, man, you still got guys like Ozzy Alsby, Albies, Dansby Swanson, Freddie Freeman has been playing his butt off oh my goodness Braves fans are just saying hand them a blank check and I think they're right <laughs> this is amazing so I don't know man I think the hitting edge is about even especially the way Bellinger's been hitting the ball and he came through clutch last night but I think you got to give the starters to the Braves you got to give the bullpen to the Dodgers and we'll see how it goes yeah and just as breaking news by ESPN Max Freed announces the starter for game one of the NLCS tomorrow a lefty obviously so hey I mean Good news, Max Fried's had a good year. That seems to be their ace right now. And they, like you said, they have a great starting rotation. I think that's kind of one of the more underrated starting rotations in the league. It will sneak up on you. Next thing you know, you play the Braves and you get into a series with them during the year and it's like all of these guys are studs. It looks like I'm taking on an all-star pitcher every single day here. So, I mean, I, I like the Braves in this series. Dodgers have a little bit more firepower when it comes to their lineup, in my personal opinion. They got some guys that they got some names, especially in that starting rotation with Kershaw out. Maybe that'll be a little bit of an adjustment for them. And like you said, just kind of determining that fourth starter is going to be the big one for them. I think so. And the great thing is that they do go with a bullpen day. Like I said, I, I don't have the number for me. I believe their bullpen ERA was 279. Like I said, it was like second or third in the league. So that is big. We will see. I think you're right. The Dodgers have a little better firepower, but. I would never underestimate the Braves, and is uh, if that firepower, the Dodgers can't get to that Braves starter early, man, when those Braves starters get in a groove, their hitting always seems to come along with it, and the Dodgers can get themselves down early in some games if they're not careful. However, if the Braves do get down early in games, I don't wonder whether or not their hitters can climb out of it. I wonder whether or not their bullpen will allow their hitters to climb out of it. No, I completely agree. If I was a betting man, which I'm not, 
We learned that last night. I'm not, I'm ne- I, I don't gamble. I don't partake in gambling. It's not a gambling state. It's illegal. And if it was legal, I'd be terrible at it. I would lose all my money. But I'm picking the Braves. I like the underdogs here. I like the Braves. I think Kershaw being out is bigger than what people give it a lot of credit for, even though Kershaw has notoriously had some playoff issues in the past, mainly be, mainly in the World Series more than anything. But, yeah, I, 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 I'm I going with the Braves here. I like their starting rotation. I think that's one of the more underrated aspects when it comes to the Braves. People are not talking about how good that rotation is. You're facing a guy every single day in this series. And they got some firepower in that lineup. I don't think it's as good as the Dodgers, but I still think it's good enough to match it and win this series. So I know this series will not go based off the past, but it's interesting what you said. Kershaw's lack of production in the postseason. And it seemed like last year, finally everything went right for him. And finally, they won the World Series. But when he's not producing, they're not winning, it seems like. He's out. Duffy's out. Wood's gone. He's on the uh, Giants now, who I guess their season's over after last night. I'm with you. I'm going to go with the underdogs. I think it's finally the Braves' time. Yeah. So I got Braves and Strohs. But I think the key to this series for the Braves is having your starters go deep. And the key to this series for the uh, the Dodgers is figuring out who that fourth starter is and allowing yourself to build some run, build some run lead, you know, a decent lead early. Yeah, I get what you're saying. And you mentioned the Dodgers, how they get themselves in a hole early. It's, it's important for the Braves to really capitalize on that. Don't be – don't get into a slump on the bats early. Just really capitalize on the Dodgers' inefficiencies on the bat or maybe with their starting pitch. And just any opportunity they give you or any little thing that they give you, the Dodgers to the Braves, Braves have to capitalize because this is a very good Dodgers team with a lot of experience. And it's a championship squad. They're the reigning champs. So it's going to be big for them. It is. I agree. We'll see how it goes. Once again, ALCS Game 1 tonight sucks. Uh, Astros from Houston. This is a big rematch of a couple years back. They've actually met three of the last five years, and the Braves and Dodgers have now met three of the last four years in the playoffs. So these teams are familiar with each other. They know about each other. We will see how it goes. So when we come back, a little Panthers talk. Panthers play the Vikings on Sunday, so we'll get into that. Of course, if you ever want to hear Panthers talk, always check out 94.3 The Game's YouTube or Facebook page for On The Prowl podcast that drops every Thursday with Ben Byram, Casey Raniere, and myself. But uh, we'll be right back with the final segment of the show, Little Panthers. As the Panthers 3-2 and two take on the 2-3 and three Vikings. But first, some breaking news. I'll throw it over to my man, Phil, the ref, Pilkington. This is huge. Yeah, as we knew that um, Russell Wilson broke his finger last week, it is official that he has gone on the injured list. So he is on IR. That's what, at least three weeks there? Yeah, with the new COVID rules, at least it is only three weeks. It used to be six, I believe. So, And they were already saying he was going to miss four to eight weeks, so we kind of figured as much, but he is on IR, so it looks like Geno Smith is the man for the Seahawks over the better part of the next month. Who looked pretty good in their, in their last game, so we'll see how it goes. But the big thing with that one is that if Geno Smith can't get it done and they can't get it done on offense – they're in a tough division, and somebody can really run away with that division. And next thing you know, when Russell Wilson comes back, they might not even be in playoff contention. So, I mean, that's a huge injury for them. And I'm kind of under the belief that without Russell Wilson, that Seahawks team is a terrible team, not good at all. I think for the past few years, Russell Wilson has really just kind of kept them as a kind of borderline wild card team. Yeah, they've uh, they definitely got their superstars, you know, D.K., 
guys like that. But uh, overall, one to fifty-three, yeah, they're not they're not a phenomenal team. And like you said, the Cardinals are five and zero. The Rams are four and one. Uh, it looks like they'll be out of division contention. It's going to be a matter of whether that where that third wild card is sitting when they can, when he comes back, and uh, whether or not we feel like that they can get back into that, which could be tough in this NFC. Of course, it doesn't look like the East is going to produce a wild card, and Saints look pretty bad in the South. So maybe there will be a chance they can still fight for those final wild card spots. We will see. We will see. I just don't see it. I don't know if Russell Wilson could put the team on his back like he normally does and necessarily get them out of a hole that they potentially will get in without them and Geno Smith in. Moving on to this Panthers-Vikings game, this is an interesting matchup because they're both kind of in a similar spot right now. We don't really know if their playoff teams are not. Are they contenders or pretenders? We're not quite sure. They both look kind of look like teams that maybe are on the cusp of a wild card spot. We just don't really know. Vikings 2-3, or three, of course. Panthers, of course, 3-2, and two, and it was kind of revealed today. Christian McCaffrey is out for the game this weekend against the Vikings, and that's huge. And it's kind of the battle of the backups. Alexander Mattinson against Shuba Hubbard. Who's going to take it? Uh, yeah, I like Madison. I, I think he did a good job at Boise State. Anytime he gets in the game behind Dalvin Cook, he's always produced pretty well. Yeah. And uh, you know what you're getting out of Shuba Hubbard? It's going to be a one-yard gain or a nine-yard gain, and there's nowhere in between. It seems like Mattinson is a better back play in and play out so I I'm completely give agree Vikings on that one yeah and the big thing is just how's this Panthers offense going to look especially with the issues they have on the offensive line this Vikings defense they have some studs Vikings defense still still no joke and I look at the left tackle situation Cam Irving coming off injury can't get much worse than last week Moten wasn't bad but I still think Irvin's kind of a step up. And this guy, Everson Griffin, is having the year of his life right now. Not letting up whatsoever. And then I look at the Vikings. They also have issues with left tackle. Christian Darisol is currently starting a left tackle. He's coming back from a core muscle injury. so And he, he, he filled in pretty nicely when he did play a little bit last week. But still, I expect both defenses, especially the defensive line for both teams, to have a field day. And I expect this game to be a defensive struggle. I think so for sure. The only thing that's big for the Panthers is you know, the Vikings build up 263 passing yards a game and 130 rushing yards. Yeah. So, yes, Griffin's having the year of his life, but he's kind of a man amongst boys on that defense. And we know the Panthers' defense will give this offense opportunities, or so we hope. I mean, Kirk Cousins has only thrown two picks through five games. He's actually looking like the uh, guy they pay are paying him to be. But uh, this offense, unlike last week, they've got to take advantage of of the opportunities given. Because like you said, this could be a defensive uh, slugfest, and those opportunities might be few and far between. But they are going to come with this defense. They're going to come at least once or twice. So you got to take advantage of them. Yeah, and I'll start with those stats of the Vikings' defense. That may be a little bit misleading considering the teams that they have played. They played the Chiefs. who Yes, the Chiefs are on the down year, but they're still a high-powered offense. Still, high, They're still – I still expect them to be a playoff team this year. Then moving on, you got the Bengals. They barely lost to the Bengals. Bengals are a good squad this year. Joe Burrow is going to keep you in any game. Bengals was the first game of the season. Bengals were – okay, I apologize. Yeah. That was a preseason game. Yeah. I got my schedule off. Moving on, they played the Cardinals. We know the Cardinals. I don't think they're necessarily championship contenders, but they do have a high-powered offense. They are legit. Only lost by a point in that game. Played the Seahawks with Russell Wilson. Did win that game. Only held them to 17 points. Then they played the Browns. Held the Browns to 14, did lose that game, but the Browns are also a high-powered offense. And then you're looking at Vikings-Lions. 
They won that game. It's the Lions. Yeah, well, you know, you brought up that those stats could be a little misleading. I think a big one was that Seattle game yeah. where they played a really good second half and there was a lot of garbage time yards by Seattle trying to drive down the field, and they successfully yep. drove down the field but were just not successful in scoring. So that was a lot of yards, I believe, led up in that game. I don't exactly have the stats in front of me. Like you said, man, nobody's stopping this Cardinals offense right now. Um, the Bengals are to look like a good offense. Also, that Bengals game went into overtime, so yep. that added more you know, time to the game that they were having to defend as well. So... There's a lot of reasons they could have let up some yards. Like I said, still a little shaky on the back end. They don't look like world beaters in their uh, first preseason game against Denver. They did play their starting defense for a better part of the first half. Oh, and I Denver that embarrassed game. them. So, <laughs> um, of course, we're, our offense is not – I mean, it's dangerous, but I wouldn't say that Denver's is, is any more dangerous than ours. Yeah. So, I think we could definitely exploit that. And I think the big thing with our offense is that it's just a matter of scheming around this offensive line, find a way to get the ball out of Sam Darnold's hands quickly because we've kind of seen when Sam Darnold is in the pocket for too long and guys aren't really get open, he panics and he makes bad reads and bad plays. I think this is a big Joe Brady game. There's a lot of doubt and a lot of questions surrounding Joe Brady, especially last week. Last week did not look good on offense. And, uh, I mean, Joe Brady, we're too, we always talk about – the next head, big head coach, the next big offensive guru when it comes to whatever head coach and vacancy is out there. He's the guy you want. Well, not been looking good the last couple of weeks. He's got guys on this offense. I get it. He doesn't have the offensive line, but you got to scheme around it. you gotta, you got to work in some screens. you got to work in some short routes. Just find a way to get the ball out of Sam Darnold's hands quickly. They haven't been able to do that, specifically if Robbie Anderson, that's the guy you got to get involved in the offense, and they're not utilizing him the correct way. But the problem with, is with Robbie Anderson is he's a deep threat. He's a deep threat. You can't necessarily get him the ball on deep routes if your offensive line is struggling. Yeah, exactly. And I think where we're really hurting right now is getting those quick hitters to that tight end position. Yeah. It stinks tra trading Arnold. I know why they did it. I agreed with the trade. Yeah. Uh, we definitely need some help at D. And they didn't want to give him up. They did not want to give him up, man. You know, they pretty much the uh, the Jaguars held, held our you know our arms down on that one and would not let us have that trade without – Dan Arnold so it does stink not to do him but you know our boy Casey's high on Tommy Trimble we know he can block he's proved it it's no block no rock but he's been blocking let's get Tommy Trimble involved uh Gideon Thomas back I know he's not been great in his career <laughs> but get him involved I guess he's on the roster and I know Giovanni Ritchie has now moved to a fullback technically but he looks good he looked good in the passing game over the uh, preseason, so if we got to throw the ball to him in the flats, anything to get the ball quick out of Sam Darnold's hand, because you can't only throw the ball and slants to DJ Moore and screens to Chuba Hubbard. you got to mix it up a little bit. No, exactly, and the point of Richie there is we haven't really seen him involved in the pass game this year during the regular season. It seems like they want to make him a blocker. That's not necessarily what he is at fullback. I think that is a not, that's a wasted opportunity right there they have sitting on their roster. That is a guy you can get involved and find a way to get the ball out quickly to him. He could be out there – out there short in the backfield just little stuff like that you know Joe Brady is just not look good this year and he's not really making things work with the firepower he's got he's probably got the one of the most talented offense here in recent memory for the Carolina Panthers and they're just not holding up their end of the bargain for whatever reason and it's just it's been tough it's been tough to watch and this lets you know how much of an impact Christian McCaffrey has in this offense it definitely does they need to find a number two or a, a number one when McCaffrey's out back 
seeing Mike Davis walk hurts more and more every week now that we're seeing lack of production out of Chuba Hubbard. Yeah. But the big thing, too, right now is Sam Darnold, man. He looked eh the first couple weeks, and then he had a bad game against Dallas, and he just let that carry over into last week's game against Philadelphia. I mean, I think he threw three picks against Dallas, I believe is the number. He's got six picks on the year and only six touchdowns. Of course, he's ran like five touchdowns, which helps. But uh, he has got to get it figured out. And, yes, yeah, some of it's definitely on Joe Brady, but uh, – yeah, he Donald's can only call the plays. Better. Sam Donald's got to produce because right now, especially after that Dallas game, I'm looking at that next head coaching vacancy going to Kellen Moore yeah. over Joe Brady. No, exactly. And you made you brought up a good bat point about Sam Donald. He seems to be everybody's kind of whipping boy right now. He kind of seems to be their scapegoat. But uh, when you look back at the Dallas game, I would say one of those picks wasn't necessarily on him. But you look back to this past game with the Panthers and the Eagles here. Didn't play a great Eagles defense, in my opinion. Didn't play the best Eagles secondary. They weren't world beaters. And all three of those picks were simply on Sam Darnold. And I get it. The pass protection was atrocious in that game. But you simply got to be better. And that's why it's important to be to make smarter reads when, you, when your pass protection isn't necessarily there. Because when you make that one crucial mistake, that could be the ball game. Hey, you know, I know it looks bad when a young quarterback does it. But uh, what happens when Brady gets under pressure? Does he does – he, throw the ball in a bad area no he tucks the ball and falls down yeah and you know what say what you want about that I know it doesn't look as good if somebody like Darnold would do that because you know Brady's trying to protect himself he's 45 but Brady's done that a lot and uh look where that's got him yeah seven rings baby and I think the big thing we kind of hit on on our on the proud podcast which is released every Thursday on our 94 through the game Facebook page and YouTube was the fact that Sam Darnold doesn't need to play hero ball in this offense and it really seems like that he's really tried to put the team on his back these past couple of weeks, and it hasn't necessarily equated to success. Maybe he felt like he had to, or maybe he was told he was had he's had to make those type of plays because of Christian McCaffrey being out. He was going to be the focal point of this offense. But the main thing you want to see from Sam Darnold is just for him to make smart plays and let receivers do the the rest. Because there's a lot of talent in this receiving room, and they showed they could be came game changers and they can make plays and put points on the board it's just a matter of just making the smart reads making the simple plays and letting them handle the rest and get the points on the board yeah you know we should blame for all this stupid Matthew Stafford using the <laughs> trade block man could you imagine what we'd be doing with Matthew Stafford right now probably not what the Rams are doing Matthew Stafford because that's a darn good football team and they've got the best player in the league on the defensive side getting him the ball back and Aaron Donald but uh yeah, man, that, it'd be nice to have Matthew Stafford. Hey, it's right unfortunate. Now. <laughs> Lions accepted that trade. We had the best trade. The final say so came down to Matthew Stafford, and he refused to play in Carolina. Boy, it would have sure been nice to have him on as our quarterback and under center right now. But hey, I'm not going to rule out Sam Darnold. I can put these. I think he could put these games behind him. It's a good chance to bounce back, come out of this game four and two against a Vikings defense. That is a little bit of shaky, but there is some studs there. I think this is a good chance for him to bounce back against a little bit of an inconsistent Vikings defense and an inconsistent Vikings team in general. Hey, hey, if you told me in the, through the first six games we would be 4-2, and two, I would take it. That's something to hang your hat on right there. I would love for us to pull through, get a good game from Sam Darnold where he's not necessarily playing here a ball. He's just getting it to our playmakers on offense that are left over and just come out of this game with a win and be 4-2. and two. That would be huge. I, then we could be talking about maybe we are playoff a playoff team. Well, hey, you know you say going to 4-2. and two, We could carry momentum into the next couple weeks. Yeah. And look at our next two games. Yes, they're both on the road, but Giants and Falcons. Yeah. 
I mean, I think if we're four and two, it's only after this week. It's only our own fault if we're not six and two no, halfway I through the agree. season. And uh, you know, the next game is after that's a home game against New England. Uh, New England is they look good. They're young. They're coming together. Who knows what they'll look like then? But they're definitely not world beaters. Definitely a winnable game. They're kind of like the Vikings. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah, in a certain um, aspect. But they're not. Uh, they're definitely not some of the teams we got to face down the stretch. Is like Tampa Bay twice, the Cardinals, yep. the Bills. So we're gonna have to win these winnable games. We definitely have some winnable games coming up, especially if we can take care of business. Yeah, this who week. knows? Maybe this could be a game where we look back and we're like, "Hey, that is the moment we knew this team was a playoff team and they could get it done." But Got to get it done first, and Chuba, it's going to be a big game for him. Had 101 rushing yards last week, but Casey brought up a good stat on, on the prowl this past week that a lot of those came kind of in garbage time in the last couple of uh, – last quarter there where they were just really kind of force-feeding the ball, and they came off of really just – a lot of those yards came off one or two big plays. So that 101 rushing yards can be a little bit deceiving when it comes to Chuba Hubbard. He's the type of guy where it's no yards or a lot of yards, so – Chuba, I, I like the game that I saw last week, but yet again, those came off of big plays. I want to see him be consistent in and out and just maybe four yards, four-yard games every gains every time or three yards every once in a while. I'll take that. That's all we need from Chuba Hubbard. Yeah, all he's got to do is be productive, and one yard here, nine yards there is not exactly consistent production. So, obviously, unfortunately, I was unable to watch the game last week because it wasn't on in Boston, but, uh, <laughs> you know. We got to, like you said, three yards here, four yards there. Just keep it trucking along. Keep the offense moving. Know that we can be in third and manageable each drive yeah. and give us opportunities. And that will alleviate a lot of pressure from Sam Darnold. That's going to wrap up a week here for the Patrick Johnson Show. I'd like to give a special thanks to my man D-Rock. He's been with it. He's been probably the most – He's been with me for most of the week. He's been here more than you have, Philip. Hey, he and I have <laughs> each been here three days. I do not want to hear it. I had an important obligation. Whatever. To attend to. Whatever, Hey, Phillip. shout out to my mom for running her fifth Boston Marathon. <laughs> also, special thanks to intern Cordy and my man, Phil the Ref Pickleton. It's been a pleasure what? having you here, You can't even man. say my name right. Come on, man. Phil the Ref Pickleton. Yeah, no, you made it worse that time. <laughs> Whatever, my man. It's been a pleasure to host this week. Been a lot of fun. P-Man back next week, so if you completely hated this week, he'll be back. Maybe a return to normalcy here. Get ready for some pirate football next week. Maybe show out to some ECU baseball scrimmages this weekend. It's happening all weekend. All that and much more is happening around pirate athletics. All you got to be do is be there, show up, and show your pirate support. Show that you're a proud pirate.